Café Rollist is your caffeinated tabletop RPG break. It started as our exclusive Patreon show, but following a survey with our supporters, I am happy now to share its most recent episode here with you. If you enjoy this show, please consider checking out our archive of a hundred or so additional episodes, which are still exclusive on Patreon. All right, let's start over. <laughs> We had a little engineering issues. Thank God I realized it was going on. Uh, thank, thank God, because I'm more agnostic, to be honest, than, uh, than anything. So welcome to another Cafe Release, as I was saying, off the microphone. Uh, it's a great opportunity, Cafe Release, for me to finally interact with people I interact with a tiny bit on the internet and have more meaningful discussion, hopefully. Hello, Jessica. Could you introduce Hi. yourself, please, again? <laughs> ah, I'm Jessica Markram. I am a social worker and therapist by day and a TTRPG designer and sensitivity reader by night. And you can see me down in the chat as Angry Nerd Girl. That's such a, a nice superhero description, a sensitivity reader by night. Huh? <laughs> It sounds like you got a grappling hook and you jump through the window of uh, some uh, big publishers to read what they are working on. Huh? Like to pretend I'm a superhero. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's ask a second time or ice-breaking question. <laughs> Which is, uh, what is your routine like uh, in this current or less current lockdown that we're seeing in some countries and not anymore in other countries at the moment? Well, I'm immunocompromised, so I haven't left the house since March except for to sit on my balcony. <laughs> uh, but I'm still working full time. So I wake up. Probably, uh, this is the earliest I've woken up in forever because I work night. I said I, I am a therapist by day, but I'm really a therapist by afternoon and, <laughs> and evening. So I wake up, uh, late and then I do therapy work all day and then I write all night and stay up way too late watching Netflix and playing video games with my partner. And then I try and sleep, and one of our cats inevitably screams at us all night while we sleep. So that's my routine. <laughs> have you, well, since it apparently didn't change so much, but have you picked any new skills, interest, or hobby uh, as a somewhat direct result of uh, the air quote situation? I actually have started cooking more because I have to. Uh, so I have, I would say perfected my turkey burger. Oh, Yeah. And I made a uh, chocolate chip banana bread with honey roasted bananas for the first time. And that went really well. Cool. What's the secret of your turkey burgers? Uh, you add Worcestershire and an egg, but the main thing is to, uh, push your thumb in it after you make it a ball so that when you flip it all the juices like pull in that thumbprint when you cook on one side and then they soak in when you flip it on the other side oh nice uh, you know what uh, I'm a designer uh, uh, architect I always find it 
fascinating how geometry affects cooking and people don't realize it. You know, the size at which you cut things or the, the, the speed at which they cook is the same. Like in a stew, you need some stuff like your carrots, you cut them smaller than, than your, I don't know, your cauliflowers and so on. So I'm, I'm all in for the, thumbprint in the in turkey burger uh, yeah actually that's, oh, that would be interesting to read on a menu uh, thumbprint turkey burger <laughs> I'm not sure if it meets sanitary uh, standards yeah I don't know but it's nice I to mean, thumbprint cookies are a thing it's probably nice. not over where you are but they're a thing here it's nice to see to hear also that Worcester Oh, I'm terrible at pronouncing things. Worcester, Worcester, uh, Worcester South is popular in the US uh, as well as in the UK. You're in the US, right? Not in Canada. Yeah, I'm in the US. Just checking. We had a lot of Canadians. It was about time to have some uh, US-based uh, people from uh, the community and industry. So, would you happen to have anything to announce uh, coming out uh, next week? I do. I what a surprise! <laughs> I did not. I know. That. It's almost like we talked about this just ten minutes ago. Almost. <laughs> so I have been working with David Markuski and Kat Evans on Tabaxi subclasses for Five E, and I have uh, the most recent one, the Druid of the Circle of Catnip, is coming out next week. And David's done a wonderful cover for that. It's a really beautiful, fluffy cat. And even more excitingly to go along with it is the big book of cats. So this is 40 new cats by me in uh, 4 or 5e, as well as uh, reprinting some like non-monster manual feline stat blocks for people who might only have the monster manual or the SRD. I'm wondering if Cats the movie made Tabaxi more or less popular among D&D players. I don't know. <laughs> Any burning desire to play uh, a cat a Tabaxi inspired by um, Rebel Wilson or Idris Elba's moves fur? No. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm being uh, facetious about the movie, but to be honest, I've watched a lot of reviews of the movie, but I haven't watched the movie, so I just heard... I saw the movie. I had a blast. <laughs> I wanted to go see it, and then I couldn't for some reason. I, I was all... I, I guess I got feedback from people telling me that it was kind of... It was more dull than I, I would have wished, because I, I'm all in for... There's a, there's a movie festival where I used to live where it's a movie festival but the way it's treated it's like a gigantic collective mystery 2000 theater so everybody yells at the movie there are traditional chants we are supposed to to chant at different moments there are like rocky horror yeah i guess well no because rocky horror is more you sing along the movie while at this this festival you see a movie often there are premieres of uh, oh, okay. horror and genre movie, uh, but there, there are things that people are used to do. Like, first of all, there's a song you sing when they switch off the light in the theater. 
which uh, and there's even a people on the right of the audience are supposed to sing the first part the middle part is played by the middle of the audience and the third part and it's uh, so on the right it's ta 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 in the middle it's tu encore and on the left jamais plus so it's uh, ta 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 kill again never again to to the left people when when someone enters a room and doesn't close the door people yell to close the door behind them or they yell at people that they're gonna die when they do something which like oh let's split and go check the basement or they also when someone villainous says something villainous or does something villainous people yell why is that person so someone would yell why is that person so evil and all the audience replies because (laughs) (laughs) so it's a bunch of things so seeing something like cats there would have been absolutely mind-blowing but yeah sadly there was no opportunity like that I would love to go to this theater. This is like my dream night out. <laughs> Wait, it's a whole festival. So you got like two weeks of movies. And uh, mm-hmm. I was very happy. My no wife, then girlfriend, uh, the first time I introduced her to it, she, she was hooked. At first she was skeptical and then she was hooked. And the next year, is the only year I ever did that, she convinced me that we we bought the sort of VIP pass. So we had access to all the movies, we cut the line, and we watched, I don't know, 12 movies over the course of two weeks, probably even even more, maybe 15 or, or 20 movies. And yeah, yeah, it's we even have directors coming and the audience forces them to sing. Uh, I love it! And because it's in Brussels... You, they give away prizes, but often, since it's a small festival, well, it's smallish, but the movies are definitely small movies. They often, mm-hmm. so in Brussels, you got, since you got the European Union, they often send out people from embassies to collect the prizes. Uh, and so you got two kinds. You got, sometimes they sent out the ambassador, mm-hmm. and the ambassador of Japan always, amazing person uh, they come uh-huh. they look so strict and contained and when it's their turn to sing they always sing amazing things and then the second category is they sent out temps <laughs> like someone oh no you, you can see those young ambition politicians being sent out to Brussels like for their first job and they're like their life is ahead of them and they're, they're so ambitious and they're gonna do things and I don't know they're like the emba- they, they work at the embassy of Finland or God knows where and they're told oh, okay there's this things you need to go there to collect a prize and I'm pretty sure it's kind of a what do you call that uh, you know at universities those terrible things you do to people to freshmen oh hazing it's a hazing, you know. <laughs> they send them <laughs> without any instruction and they just end up on a stage in front of a uh, completely rabid, rabid uh, audience yelling at them to, to sing and dance and do stuff. <laughs> and they, they, they look very confused and they probably blackmail with the video for the rest of their lives. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lesson in uh, humility. But, uh, yeah, I've been talking so much. It's, you, I, you need, I need to put the spotlight right on top of you. You're, you're the one I need to roast now. So. <laughs> well, 
I was going to say, uh, I'm from Chicago. I don't live there anymore. But at the Music Box Theater, if you've been to Chicago, they used to do all sorts of like sing-alongs for various movies. So I would go to Sing-Along Sound of Music, Sing-Along West Side Story, and they give away prizes and stuff like that. But also, it was never a big film festival, at least uh, when I lived there. But we would go to screenings of like The Room. Oh, or- nice the whole trapped in the closet cycle i guess it's two or three movies now so you would go like to see one trapped in the closet each day and like scream at the theater and do stuff like that and it was really fun and i remember taking uh one of my friends and she just looked at me in the middle of it and she was like this is the whitest thing i've ever been to (laughs) it's like yeah this probably is a pretty white thing that we're doing right now. But uh, I I used to go all the time. We loved it. Yeah, I miss that festival. Chicago, uh, my last episode is with folks from Chicago. Uh, actually, really? uh, I just released an episode uh, which was recorded a year ago when people could still travel. And we were visited in London by James and Mel D'Amato. Mm-hmm. I believe uh, One Shot Network is is based in Chicago in part. Uh, okay, I don't, I don't know them personally, but that's awesome. So, do you do you stream uh, often, actually, or do podcasts and things like that? I'm I'm quite yeah. unaware of what you do, to be honest. I see your tweets and, and never. In- <laughs> what you might be on the show. <laughs> Yeah, right now I'm streaming at least three times a week. Wow. uh, I'm streaming tonight, actually. You might be asleep because it's 8 p.m. Eastern. That's a problem, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is 1 a.m. your time, I think. Okay. Uh, But every Friday night on my channel, Angry Nerd Girl, I... DM Three Flings, The Adventures of Three Tieflings through the Uncaged Anthology. And so, Unca- for anybody who doesn't know, the Uncaged Anthology is four anthologies of adventures that are that were created by Ashley Warren um, with a lot of writers. I'm one of the writers. Some of the other people involved in the show were either writers or artists in Uncaged. And they were created to subvert the idea or stories around um, marginalized or monsters and creatures of marginalized genders. So we do one of those every Friday, uh, three tieflings going along. Then on Saturdays, actually tomorrow's the last one before we go on a break, but I play on Sigil Entertainment's channel. There's a thing called Sigil Spotlight that is three times a week, and I'm on their Saturday show, and it's a bunch of writers and artists, and we play uh, adventures and character classes that we wrote and created, which is pretty neat. And then on Tuesdays, <laughs> on the Onyx Paths channel, I run Paws and Claws, The Lost Tales of Pugmire. So I have a lot of good dogs and cats that oh, cool. I... Uh, I think I should, I, should, I should check that one out. Uh, I think that's the one which speaks the most to me. It's fun. Right now they are, uh, they just got off of a pirate ship and have landed on a mysterious island. They're not sure what's going to happen next. So that's 
Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Onyx Path. But all of those shows, um, if you miss them when they air, we put them up on YouTube. I'll put a link so to Onyx the... Onyx Path does it a week later. I'll put a link to the YouTube and the, the Twitch in the, the description of, of this episode. So people should go there and click them out. Actually bought the first tome of Encage and prepped the first adventure in it because I was planning on running it to my mother, my brother, and his fiance. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. it got cancelled a couple of times. But I really liked this oh, no. uh, this adventure uh flipping. Made in Waterdeep, a- right? Sorry? Was yeah. that made in Waterdeep? Yeah, yeah. So it was flipping around the the you, the tropes around surrounding mermaids. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love that one. It's a retelling of the Little Mermaid. Yeah, the the, the old the, the old pack of adventures is is very cool. I really need to check the the other terms. Uh, what's your pitch for for you? And did you contribute to different adventure? Did you sensitivity read them, or did you? Read, uh, did you write an adventure uh, full per se? I wrote an adventure for volumes one and four, and then I wrote a new uh, playable race that's also in volume four. Volume four has the uncaged, what did they call it? Uh, the uncaged grimoire or vault or something. And so it has uh, a new character class and a bunch of playable monstrous races and spells and magic items. And what what did your adventure revolve around without spoiling it? The first one is a so the one in volume one is a retelling of Melusine. Oh, the yeah, the French myth. Uh, I always loved that story when I was a kid because she was kind of a badass who like. As soon as they're like, oh, no, you're not what I expected. She was like, well, peace out, then bye. <laughs> <laughs> but I pitched it as Melusine by way of Pokemon. So that's uh, what I'll say about that. It's called a family reunion. And the my adventure in volume four is called The Village That Wept. And it's a take on La Llorona. Cool. So Melusine is the one which I don't know. She she hooks up with a guy and she she's amazing for him, but she she tells him never to to look up what she's up to one day per on week Saturdays, or something. Yeah. On Saturday. It's funny. There's and then f- he looks, and yeah. she has like either a fish tail or a snake tail. Of course, he looked <laughs> idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. It's funny because this version of this still, I think, in different countries. I think in in Japan, it's a it's a crane woman instead of a of a fish woman. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 funny this moral of mind your business. You know, everyone needs their space and yeah. just be happy with what you have and just leave me alone one day per week. I'm not asking for that much. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I want. It's just one day. And my favorite were the myths where he didn't even call her out. Like, in the moment, he just made veiled references to it. So, like, if she had a fishtail, <laughs> they were at a grand dinner, and he was like, mm, there's something fishy about what you're saying. <laughs> and then she was like, that's it, and just left forever. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's nice to have your red lines, and once people cross them, you you're done with them. You. She was very good at boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> it you you'd like to read the sequel to that, and then the sequel of the sequel. How many relationship has she been in, uh, and that happened? <laughs> and was oh, yeah. was she more passionate the first time it happened? Like the first time she was like. Was she, is he referring to what I think he's referring to? Right? Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I'll give him a pass. And then he does it once, twice, three times. And then, okay, I'm done with this guy. Moving on to the next guy. Okay, see how it goes. And the guy is a bit more subtle. Then the third one freaks out right away. And, and now she's just, I'm, I'm done. I'm, this thing, that's how it is. And if, if I don't find it, I don't care how good you are or bad you are i'm just done with you just look that's it bye <laughs> well my favorite is she's always described as flying out the window but they never <laughs> describe her with wings <laughs> so i just always imagined her like using her tail like a propeller or something like sometimes there's art where she's more like a dragon and she has wings but when i was a little kid i was like oh she just flew out the window using her tail like you do <laughs> it's funny when you say that I'm just picturing the, the window is not necessarily in a high place it can be the ground floor <laughs> but she just jumps through the window like like you know like a crazy stunt woman <laughs> just like that's it bam <laughs> smash through the window I'm gone I'm gone uh, no I want a far old west version of that and she's just this no cutting nose like uh, adventure woman uh, with the six <laughs> okay, I'm gone. I'm jumping through this window. <laughs> Why would they? You know, now the it's it's frozen, entangled. What would be Melusine one word for a Disney movie? Like done, Tailed? <laughs> oh, <laughs> done, <I'm> done. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no not one prince. There's a sequence of them. There's like five of them, and she learns a lesson. Along the way, like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm done. It's cutting so much in, in window repairs. <laughs> and where is she from? Is she homeless and traveling between crashing the couch of different people? In my adventure, she has a massive snake temple. But that's where she's pretty much given up on everybody else. <laughs> and it's like, I'm just going to live in my own kingdom now. And not date anymore. I don't know. Maybe the she's like living her best divorced mom life. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe your sequel is actually she would be cutting some slack to to some man or, or woman. She maybe they they would come to an agreement. Like they they got this thing. Like, but you know what? I'm fine with the fishtail. Uh, <laughs> I, I sometimes just happen. You know, like last Saturday, I forgot my phone in your room. Had to come pick it up. You were doing your fish thing. But you know what? It's fine. That's who you are. I accept it. And you shouldn't freak out because I, I witnessed that. It's, you know, it's, it's like old couples, you know, they enter the bathroom when you are busy because your, your son <laughs> is rushing it. I mean, TMI, but you know, <laughs> I'm learning about you and your home life right now. <laughs> So, oh, wow. So is it Pugmire? I'm not familiar with it, but most of what you're describing is uh, D&D focused. So is it 
is it like 90% of the games you play, 100% or 50? Uh, the, so the ones that I stream are D&D. Well, actually, no. Sigil Spotlight is not... D- Mostly we uh, run D&D on my uh, day, but it's not set up to do that. Like at one point we were going to play Fate and then that got canceled. But there's also like Powered by the Apocalypse stuff going on there. Um, it's funny because D&D is the main thing that I stream, but I don't play it at all in my home games. Uh, but that's also because like I, I play D&D all the time. Uh, and I when I'm at home, uh, that's when I play other systems like Warhammer and Call of Cthulhu, Powered by the Apocalypse, Lasers and Feelings, Hacks, and what have you. Mouse Guard, uh, stuff like that. Uh, Pugmire is basically stripped down D&D. It's meant to be easier to learn than D&D. In some ways, it's... By making it easier to learn, in some ways, it's a little bit more complex. Like, <laughs> the spell casting in particular. Some of my players coming from D&D got to it and they were like, wait, what? But um, when you like remove D&D from your brain and just look at it as like, this is how spells work. This is a new thing. Then it makes sense. It's funny. I had the uh, same but- situation with Dungeon World when I tried running it. Yeah. I thought it was, okay, it's simpler, but it's, it's more different than simpler. It's not as, it's not as complex, but you need to, to have a different skill set to run it. But running it as someone who's, would play D and D to for and run it for people who play D and D actually made things complicated because D and D got in the way all the time. You're trying to do something or explain it. People have those knee jerk reaction of I'm doing this. And you're like, no, we're not playing D and D. We're playing Dungeon World. So the discussion needs to continue. <laughs> yeah. With Dungeon World, I've had, uh, an easier time like hammering home this is a powered by the apocalypse game wearing D&D clothes <laughs> that's an interesting description I mean it's uh, yeah it, I was telling that to someone yesterday again that I, I was asking about a group a fan group called D&D so it's a fan group of a specific podcast so it's called the great mates okay. Uh, which as what the fans of this podcast called and the podcast is not about role playing games at all and they made a, a sub fan group called D&D Great Mates and I was like why is it D&D and not tabletop role playing and I was told oh it's the most popular and that's the one everybody starts with and I was like ah, yeah. that's not a good one to start with <laughs> yeah it's not the one I started with well it's the one I started with in high school, but didn't finish. So, uh, but the first RPG I ever actually played for real was Tunnels and Trolls. And the first one I ever ran was Mouse Guard. I keep hearing uh, about Tunnels and Trolls and there seems to be a very passionate fandom, but it's, it's not very large, but the people who are into it seems really, really attached to this game. I, I should really try it. The art is very old school. Like, it's black and white. It's those old kind of, like, AD&D drawings. So if you like pretty books, Tunnels and Trolls is not a pretty book. But it's really fun. And if you just want to roll, like, so much dice, 
I just realized I didn't know if I was allowed to swear on here or not. But if you want to roll like a ton of dice, Tunnels and Trolls is the game for you because it's entirely D6s. And the stronger you are, the more dice you get to roll. So when you attack something to see if you hit. So like I played a fairy, so I got to roll like 1d6, maybe oh. 2. Well, one of my friends was playing a dwarf, and he got to roll like 10 or 12 d6 every time he attacked something. That sounds bad. pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Star Wars D6, and uh, one of the complaints is that you roll too many D6s. And uh, the last time I ran it for, for players who were new to the game, I explained that to them, and they were like, and I agree with them, oh, is that an issue to roll too many D6s? It's awesome to roll so many D6s. You want to, to roll a bucket it's of fun. them. fun! Yeah, we were just like, all right, and here we go. And you'd see all of the... My friends who were playing like barbarian type players, like chong chong chong, with all of this stuff in their hands, and I'm like a fairy rogue. They even bought me these teeny tiny dice, so I'd just be like, boop. <laughs> <laughs> so is it just imbalance, or what? What were the the benefits of being a fairy? Um, I got to do different types of things. So they did make fun of me because fairies have really high luck like extraordinarily high. Um, so pretty much anything we were looking for, I found like to the point where I was annoying the DM and he started having me just find porn because I, uh, anything we were searching for, I was like, well, I'm going to look for it. And it was inevitable that I would find it because you roll like your skill plus your luck. And on, um, most people's luck is like 10, but mine was like 35. 35, so wow. <laughs> yeah, so I'd be rolling my search, which was like, uh, you know, a 15 or something, plus my 35 luck. So he was like, you have found literally everything in this room, including the dust bunnies. So I was like the investigating person. Uh, and then fairies also have... Uh, a weird thing that's just called like fairy magic, which is kind of like, it's not defined. It's not a spell, but if you can just say like, I want to do this and it makes sense. And the DM is like, yeah, that works. Then it would work. So like at one point, uh, and you use your luck to do it. So at one point we were being attacked by a horde of rats. And I was like, I would like to sing a fairy song and take them somewhere else. (laughs) And so I uh, pulled a Pied Piper and took all of the rats away. That's well, I mean, it makes sense. It's cool. I played a. Uh, it's it's in one of my episodes. I played a halfling, uh, but it was mm-hmm. Dungeon Crawl Classics. But they, okay. similarly, they they have a lot of luck, and uh, it was quite cool. The the judge of the game was Brenda Lassalle, who was visiting visiting us in uh, UK Games Expo. And I don't know why, but the, first of all, the main character, the main NPC is supposed to be this great fighter who we were all friends with. And he was so, uh, positive in the way it was described. Uh, had the, we all, most players had the opposite reaction of thinking, actually, this guy is, we hate this guy. We sort of hang out with him, but he's, he's so cool and so on that, that we really dis- dis- don't like him. And, the thing with the luck is that I started 
playing it, I don't even remember quite why, but as something which my character hated. So everywhere he would go as a halfling, people would ask him for luck, they would stroke his hair, touch him, oh. and he felt really, really oppressed by, by that, by everyone trying to have physical contact with him uh, <laughs> without asking him and he was really mad at, so upsetting he was really mad as a fortune teller NPC because he, he considered that she was the one who started spreading those myths about halflings although it was true because it was mechanically there uh, and it turned out uh, we didn't plan that at all but it turned out that she was the the main villain of the story so my halfling was really happy to uh, maybe it was a he but he was very happy that the fortune teller was brought to to an end as part of the story but it, it was always as no stop stop touching me <laughs> or, or towards the end of the story relinct, reluctantly allowing people to stroke him to get the luck to to defeat the the, the bad guy uh, and uh, and so on but uh, yeah it was it was quite flattering to have the the writer or the adventure tell me I never had anyone treat luck like the halfling luck like that like something they, they didn't want they, they rubs were, off. he was like a, an abedasher and he was like I just want to do my work I, I, and, and adventurers show up and ask me to come in adventure with them because I bring them luck but I, I'm just a shopkeeper I don't want to be in this adventure please leave me alone and it was this kind of Mickey Mouse uh, the brave little Taylor kind of character. Oh, I love him. <laughs> well, you should check out. I'll send the. I'll put it in the description. Uh, I send it to you. The the link to the episode. It's one of those sessions. I had a lot of fun, and it's a it's a blessing to have it on record and being able to to go back to it when uh, when I feel down or, or something like that. It's it's funny yeah. fairy tales. Uh, is it something you often include in your in your games? Uh, old fairy tales, fairy tales? Or, or, or some sort. I um, it depends on the game, but I got to let my fairy tale flag fly when uh, I was streaming a game that was supposed to be like a short two or three episode thing. Uh, and it ended up being like a five month campaign that was called Princesses Save Dragons. And that's on my YouTube. Uh, we had a great cast with that. And it was, uh, basically all not Disney, but close princesses going through fairy tale adventures and they were all rescuing baby dragons. Oh, that's, that's a cool concept. Yeah, it was really fun. And, uh, so then when the princess project anthology came out um i'd written an adventure in that that had actually uh one of the npcs in that was uh the same npc who had been sending them on their like dragon getting quest and uh so we did a reunion episode to promote the book and got everybody back together for that so that was that was fun looking up <clears throat> The an episode I recorded because Senda from uh, she's a super geek she recommended oh yeah that's again I'd really like to try it's called Heroine and it's uh, 
it's sort of labyrinth slash fairy tales inspired and uh, it revol- it revolves around a, a a young girl and uh, yeah so it's 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 kind of a, you know like a lot of pbt and indie game as a genre, genre emulator uh, the the purpose is to emulate uh, labyrinth so it's called heroin i should should really try this one someday there's uh what was it that zine that came out this last year that was uh kind of like Alice in Wonderland? Oh, there's so many of them. Uh yeah, it was every- very cool. I played it. And it's like you're a young girl, you all uh play different aspects of the girl. And it was like it's not necessarily Alice in Wonderland. There's also parts uh why can't I remember what it's called? That might be the one, you know, actually. That might be, well, maybe it's another... There's so many zines coming out. Uh, it's. I'm very happy I found, uh, as part of the lockdown, I started playing with uh, pe- people I knew a bit and through a, a different set of events, I joined their, their group. They're, they're all French and they're all into indie games, much more than mm-hmm. my local friends are into indie games. And we, we started playing small games like that. Tonight, we're going to play uh, Mouse Ritter, which... I've been wanting that forever. Girl Underground is the name of the game I was trying to think of. That's a nice title, Girl Underground. Um, but yeah, Mouse Ritter looks like a uh, mouse guard with an OSR kind of flair. Yeah, I had another guest on Cafe Rollist, uh, Kat, and she, she was telling me that she was not a big fan of the system of mm-hmm. Mouse Guard. So uh, when I was offered to play Moss Ritter tonight, I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm curious if if this one is this might be more in tune with with the game." I don't know what, what do you. I haven't played Moss Guard, but uh, what what do you think of the system? I love it, but I'm biased because it's the first game I ever DM'd. Oh, cool! So, so I thought that it would be easier than other types of games to run, and I don't know if that was entirely true. But it's definitely unique, and the sample adventure that they give you is very straightforward and easy to like create adventures off from. Like it's a one shot, but it leads itself open to other types of things. I love their character creation. I love how you can learn skills while you're adventuring, which is something I really wish D and D had because it doesn't make sense that you could like travel with an elf for 20 years and never learn elvish because it's not in your background <laughs> that's the <a> thing <laughs> that's the thing which really frustrates me uh with D actually uh well my first game was star wars d6 and it's all skills based there's no fighting system on one side and other system on the other you know the, the skill list you you all skills and you don't level up you get points and you spend them on skills and as long as the game master okay. is, is happy with you spending on skill, so you, your your character is whatever you you make your character, and if you That's spend cool. time hanging out with a space elf, you uh, you can raise your skill in space elf if you wish to, and uh, because it makes sense. But uh, yeah, I'm always frustrated in D and D. You got your skills at the start and. And that's it, pretty much. You can spend a yeah. feat, I think, to raise a couple, but mm-hmm. then everybody's like, "That's that's a bad investment to spend in skill." I I want to raise my investigation and perception skills, going between things. Just an ability score. It's like it's not enough. I'd like to be able. I, I guess I'd like to raise this one skill every two levels 
Or, I don't know, even one skill every level, I think. Or even if you could just, like... So there's a thing Warhammer has, where you have between adventuring time, and during that time, you can, like, practice your skills. So if you get an animal during that time, you can train the animal, and you can, like, improve your animal handling, and your animal can... They have certain skills under trained... So, like, your animal can acquire an additional trained skill. Or if you, like, work on rowing your boat, you can raise the level of your row skill. And it's neat. <laughs> Is that, like, a bit like the only Warhammer game... I actually played Warhammer once, Warhammer Fantasy, but... One I played a bit more was 40k, and the way it works is that not only you had skills with percentage and so on, but they were coming in a tree. So if you wanted to raise your, I don't know, uh, doing prancing on a mm-hmm. horse, you had to reach 50% on animal handling, handling, and then you had three different skills you could decide to pick and raise it on their turn. Uh, on Warhammer Fantasy, at least the newest one, 4E, you have like your main things, which are like your intelligence, your initiative. Uh, and then you also have like rowing and haggle and gossip. And those are each tied to one of those main things like willpower and intelligence. So if you raise like your intelligence skill, which is expensive in XP, all of the intelligence based skills will go up. But also, if you just want to raise, like, your lore in one particular thing. Like, if you... One of the ones that my current character has is Riverway's lore, because she's a river woman. Uh, So if I want to just raise Riverway's lore, I can do that. And it's cheaper than raising my intelligence. I really like skill-based, skill-heavy-based games. I mean, there are different ways to of treating it but what I developed over time with my game mastering what I'm trying to do uh, the old game master I play with well, well not that much older than me but I mean the, the one I had when I was younger the way it was said is that an adventurer would have a number of challenges of some kind and the challenges would require certain skills and if you had the skills, good for you. If you didn't have the skills, bad for you. If you had the skills which would never be mentioned ever in an adventure, mm-hmm. well, you were the idiot for spending skill points in there. While what I'm trying to do now is I'm telling people, okay, take pick skills which you find exciting and inspiring in terms of roleplay, in terms of what your character is good at. And I will... Because uh, the term is, you will, I will quantum augur my adventures in ways so that they involve, they involve these skills. So when I was running Nephilim, for instance, which got a Chinese restaurant menu type list of skills, got all these skills and got stuff which are extremely obscure, which when you see the name of the skills, you're like, what the hell is that thing? I think there's literally a skill called Hermetism. Because it's a branch of philosophy and the oh, okay. Nephilim is all about, 
Yeah, so you you got all the different secret societies. They each have a skills. There's there's cryptography. There's all obscure things you would you would develop. Think of you read. Uh, I don't know if you know this book, uh, Foucault's Pendulum by Umberto Eco. Uh-huh. Uh, well, think of all the different skills you could make up by reading this book. The the all obscure things like your 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 like you got languages like all Gaelics or Gnostics, but okay. Yeah, so there's no way you, and you get those things through background. So there's no way it's very mm-hmm. useful, but if someone picks astronomy, I will tell them when you wake up, and because you are this badass Nephilim who lived multiple lives, you look up at the skies, make me an astronomy role, okay, you succeeded, you can tell that what year it is. Well, maybe not precisely what year it is, but mm-hmm. you have an idea that it's been a several hundred years since you last went to sleep because, because of Nephilim. Oh, that's cool. I, I do that. And yeah, it might not make complete sense <laughs> in terms of the the science of it, but yeah, that's yeah. The, the way it is. And if someone picks old Irish language, well, the old manuscript they'll find will be old Irish and I will try to have my campaign revolve around it. So try to be reactive to the the character sheets rather than being yeah. having my integrity and my s- sort of sandbox approach saying these are the way things are or do you engage with them even if you're a complete fool for for picking up swimming while playing an adventure I mean I did that uh, I ran an adventure on Tatooine in Star Wars when people had to swim <laughs> I managed to find a, a way that they, they would be submerged by water over there and it, it made sense in, uh, in the way I explained it. Nice. That's so important because it sucks for players when like if you decide that you really want to be a bard or somebody who's good at emotional manipulation or a type of druid or ranger who like talks to animals and the whole time you're in a dungeon where there are no people and there are no animals. You're like, well, I guess I'm just going for the ride. And you have a whole, a whole player or two who can't do anything while everyone else is feeling like a rock star. And that's why it's so important to mildly alter your vision to suit what your players are telling you they want through their character sheet. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm a big believer of uh, I I I said the word constraints. I, I guess it comes from my my work as an architect, but I believe a lot in constraints and prompts to feed creativity. So if you're in a dungeon mm-hmm. and you need something which would justify animal handling, well, that's a good prompt to invent something which is happening in this dungeon which will make this dungeon unique i mean it's there's a civilization of squirrels within the walls in a section of the yeah. the dungeon and yeah your dungeon is unique for that even if it's if you took the your adventures from uncaged you you can play with it uh, to make it uh, mm-hmm. make it your own and very special that's actually something about it, the first adventure of Uncage I, I prepped and I was wondering because when I read it I was like oh yeah I would have done this and this differently and the way I prepped it I actually changed a lot of it mm-hmm. and at some point I was even 
wondering about posting an article with my notes for uh, about that but at the same time okay. I was like oh, yeah well is it is it really appropriate to do that with the person who wrote the adventure especially in this case uh many women and non-binary uh, individuals mm-hmm. uh while well, I'm a, a white man so I was always afraid that people would read that like oh I can do it much better than they did which is it's not the case it's more no I made it personal it's not better it's it's, it's different it's just your take on it have you ever had feedback of people making changes to adventures you wrote and uh yet take it in a place which you did not expect not on mine personally but I know the princess project just got a review yesterday that said there were too many princesses in it they weren't sure how to integrate it into their campaign because how often do players meet royalty and because every adventure involves a princess (laughs) or a queen in some way they weren't sure what to do (laughs) we were like well well it was kind of in the name (laughs) (laughs) too too much soup in that tin box labeled soup <laughs> and also that there were too many female characters. Okay, so they did one. both because for a second you were saying, well, it's too much nobility and monarchs and there are not a lot of nobility and monarchs in my starting campaign. Okay, I guess. But yeah, if if, mm-hmm. if you come in the back and say, and they're all women and that's a problem, yeah, yeah suddenly you've lost. I mean, you, you, they were f- in we for a rough complaints. start. We got a lot of complaints in a cage that there were too many queer characters and too many women. <laughs> and we're like, well, sorry. Like, you told us to, if we didn't like your games, to make our own games, and we did. So this is our game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I haven't gotten that kind of feedback, but I, I have gotten the, you know, there are too many women in this. There are too many uh, lesbians in this. <laughs> at which point after that feedback for volume one I think everyone in volumes two, three, and four went and added more lesbians to their adventure <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, I don't remember in the first adventure I, I remember no, what, what I wanted to change with the adventure was I thought it was I'm not sure the the character that the, the adventurers meet is the lover of the the mermaid and I'm not sure if you meet the mermaid at the end of the first adventure at the first adventure you meet the mermaid but at the end one, she, she's, the she's the one oh you rescued the, the bard yeah don't remember she what fell, sorry I just ran this adventure like oh, three weeks great. ago oh, oh did it go so it went really well um but it was pretty funny because the three fling it's a level one adventure and by that point the three flings were level three so uh, I put on the sign, like, no experience needed. And for the first 30 minutes, they were like, well, we don't even need to do it because no experience needed. We should let some, like, up-and-coming adventurers take that. They don't need us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the mermaid was really like, hey, you seem helpful and strong. And they were like, yeah, but somebody will come help you out. Don't worry. <laughs> they just got drunk in the bar and eventually got guilted into helping her out. Ah, yeah, no, I remember one thing I did. So, yeah, I had the... Well, I, I didn't have, because at the end of the session, I have not happened yet. But what I wanted to do 
is that uh, that the character they meet they meet the mermaid at the beginning, but that mm-hmm. she would be mute also okay. from the start, as in uh, the the Little Mermaid story. And I thought it was interesting in terms of role play and sort to cut the information giveaway to have her communicate through a clay tablet with the the character and be uh, limited and have the thing revolve more. Yeah, I don't remember the the original adventure, but that the the main villain was using the voice to... Maybe it's in the the starting adventure to to, to seduce people. Or to um, power up spells or to become more powerful. And uh, has the bard... And at least the way we ran it, there was like a time crunch. Like you have to rescue the bard by this day or he's going to cut out her tongue and do this ritual to like unleash undead or demons or something. And then spoiler alert, you get there and he's already cut out the bard's tongue. He wanted the mermaid there on that day to <laughs> sacrifice her. So, so nice from your adventurer. So there's a deadline, there's a clock ticking and they're like, yeah, we'll leave that to younger adventurers. Thank you very much. What else is going on at the yawning portal? I'm sure. I know. <laughs> they're like, yeah, somebody else will come along. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And eventually they were like, well, uh, nobody's coming. <laughs> Guess we should help. There's plenty of adventurers over here. Don't worry. <laughs> You'll be yeah, fine. they're like, you're in water deep. Adventurers are down a dozen. <laughs> Great. Well, it's going to be time for me to wake up my son. We, oh, by the way, I wake up. Uh, I'm, I'm bad at it. I'm learning the ukulele using an app. And since he's refract, uh, he doesn't want to wake up. I start practicing every day my ukulele as a way to waking up. So, that's so cute. That's cute, but at some point I was concerned that he would develop some kind of hatred towards ukulele <laughs> for being <laughs> woken up by bad ukulele played by me. But I was I was very happy yesterday that now he starts clapping. Maybe he's developing oh. irony, <laughs> but he's, <laughs> he's clapping at the end of each exercise. I was very proud of that. I was like kind of happy. Sarcasm. And then my wife broke me when she told me, actually, your app has sounds of clapping at the end of each exercise, so he's just mimicking the app. He doesn't like what you're doing. So I was like, oh, well, yeah, maybe, I think he likes what you're doing. I hope so. I mean, at least, if at least he's not developing some deep, you know, internalized rejection of ukulele, ukulele from trauma. his past, and then in 15, 20 years, be like, I don't know why, but I just cannot stand ukulele, because by then I would have moved on to another thing. He would be like, I just cannot stand it. <laughs> I hate that noise. I don't know why. You know, he would start a game yeah. and like, anyone, X-card, any lines, veils, I play a bard, but I would like it if no one would mention ukulele. <laughs> because ukulele. I hate that. Please don't play it during the session. <laughs> so anything left to, to plug uh, and uh, as a goodbye? And where can people find you if you wish to be found? <laughs> uh, find me on Twitter at Miss underscore Jess 03 or at my website, jessicamarkramwrites.com. But my last name is kind of hard to spell, so you're easier. You're easier. It's easier to just go to my Twitter, and my pinned tweet has a link to all my stuff, like my Patreon and stuff. 
there and come watch me stream especially if you watch this today come watch three flings tonight if you are still awake it's at 8 p.m eastern on angry nerd girl and yeah keep your eyes open for the big book of cats and the circle of catnip druid coming at you next week on dm's guild amazing sounds like catnip for cats i guess so you don't know what's a difficult surname to spell i will send me mine uh <laughs> you'll see I think I got people t- always miss an r in mine so since there's two r's i don't know why but people always drop one and then like i have checks bounce and all sorts not bounce but not get to me they always miss a knee in mine and there's four of them so <laughs> <laughs> i mean my partner got his uh PhD diploma and his name was spelled wrong on it. So, what well, my pseudonym was spelled wrong two days ago, and it's a pseudonym with a single L, and they keep putting two L in there. So I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, it's been a, a, a bliss uh, chatting with you. So much I've been chatting way too much uh, when I'm interviewing people. I, I should give you more the spotlight. I should correct that one day by having you a second time on the show. If you feel like waking up early again, thank you so much for waking up early. I'd love to chat with you. It was worth waking up for. Thank well, you for having me. It's great having this conversation and now, yeah, this meaningful conversation and now our Twitter... Mm, connection relationship I don't know what's it's cool we'll be uh, all the stronger for it uh, thanks so much and uh, yeah I'll let you know when I finally uh, run uh, some uh, uncaged sounds great thanks bye everyone thanks bye for- everybody our logo is designed by Rolin Kunz our theme song is Playtime by Jazar which you can download on the free music archive A video version of this episode is available on YouTube. Please consider subscribing to our channel there. Leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. If you would like more Café Rollist, you can also get access to our archive of 100 or so additional episodes via Patreon. If you want to be informed of everything released by The Rollist, we have a monthly newsletter for you to join. And... If you want to contribute via the chat room to one of our recordings, subscribe to our Twitch channel and social media accounts to be informed of when streams are happening. Finally, links to everything I just mentioned can be found in the description of this episode. Thanks for listening to us, and remember, you are the Realist. <laughs>